Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third annual LA Podcast Festival. How's everybody doing? It is my great pleasure to introduce your host for the Mental Illness Happy Hour, your host, Paul Gilmartin. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Laura House, my guest. I'll take this one. We thank you guys for uh, for coming to uh, to hear us. Um, uh, I've been meaning to have Laura on for uh, for a long time, and I was sitting at my little favorite coffee place, and I'm stroking my chin, uh, hoping Rodan was going to sculpt me, and uh, and I was thinking, oh, who should I get to be my guest? And I swear to God, Laura walks up. Hey, Paul, how you doing? He secreted like, me. <laughs> he was gluing pictures of my head to his vision board. <laughs> I walked up with a cappuccino. Hello, Paul. <laughs> Did you need something? <laughs> We're very incredibly connected. Yes. So I'm. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, that you're here, and I'm glad you guys are here. It's. Uh, uh, I really love doing doing live recordings because there's just something so nice about having the energy of the uh, of the audience uh, being disappointed in person. It's. There's a special flavor that's different than family. Family, I expect it, but here you get my hopes up before you crush me. Uh, and that's who brought uh, cranberries. <laughs> no, but I always enjoy doing a live recording because it's uh, you guys are so nice and, and supportive. And uh, there's something so cool too about walking through the hotel and having people stop you and saying what they enjoy about the about the podcast. It's really uh, it's I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Podcasting is so fucking awesome. Um, and uh, how about a hand for uh, the LA Podfest? What a what a how much. They put 
so much effort into it, and every year it gets better and better. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly wasn't hard to make an improvement over last year's hotel. <laughs> but uh, I'm digging the food, and I'm, uh, it's so nice, and it's such a great area. We're at the uh, uh, Hotel Sofitel. And uh, I didn't know that uh, the staff doesn't speak English. They only speak French, which I think is a terrible oversight. And they don't like Americans. So it's, it's really French. But uh, it's nice. And we're, we're uh, live video streaming right now. And if you are listening to the audio of this, uh, you know, regularly uh, released episode, um, from September 26th until three weeks after it, this is available as a, uh, as a video stream. And you can go to lapodfest.com slash live. And it's $25. You can see all the podcasts that are, that are there. And um, $5 off if you use the uh, offer code Gil Martin. And there's so much to see if you're watching video of this. You can see... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what you're missing. I'm not going to tell you what you're missing. <laughs> you, uh, it's nice because you can see the uh, crow's feet on my face from uh, the heavy emails that I read. This one right here is from stories of people being molested. Oh, boy. This one is from suicide attempts. And this one is just from people who have no hope. Uh. Just one? <laughs> just one. Just the it's one. like Hello Kitty, but too high. <laughs> like so, uh, Laura, where would be uh, a good uh, place to, dis- well, just, to disappoint? Just dive in here. Yeah, you're uh, a comedy what, writer. What isn't wrong with me? Well, let's, should we start with that? Yeah. Self-esteem. What, uh, what's good about you? Let's, let's get the quick part over. Well, with. first give my resume so people will know to, how impressed to not be. What, 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 have you, what have you written on that people might know? Uh, Emmy-winning Samantha Who. Uh, Mom, the Chuck Lorre show mm-hmm. that came out last year. Um, the George Lopez show, Blue Collar TV. I starred in a show on MTV called Austin Stories. Yeah. A long time ago, thank you. It was their first uh, fully scripted sitcom. And uh, done a lot of stand-up and uh, sold some shows. I'm about to work on a Nickelodeon show. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you teach meditation, but I don't want to get to that yet because I want to talk about the fucked up before we yeah, get to the things that help the fucked it's up. It's more of the happy ending. Yeah. Um, so where, talk about your, what was your childhood like? Where were you raised? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from a suburb of, uh, this is so interesting to know where to look. Split the difference. <laughs> just walleye. I'm like, I should really connect with oh, you. But look at all these people. I yeah. just want to talk to you. I'll, I'll figure it out. Make love to the camera, Laura. That's what we do. Those of us who are on the other side of the camera, that's what we do. We make love to the camera. All right. Hello. Um, Hello, video First, I'll get audience. the camera drunk. <laughs> then no problem. Um, yeah, I grew up in a suburb of Dallas, Grand Prairie, Texas. Uh, go Gophers. And um, I, I don't even know if it was normal or weird. It was, it, I guess it was both in a way. Like, uh, there were two parents, two kids. Lots of sirens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm real used to this. Um, I feel like they're 
after something water main related. <laughs> there was a weird water main, and this is a town where like sirens go off because yeah. there's water flowing in the street. For for um, our, our listening audience, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but there are a lot of sirens in the background. <laughs> bet, Sometimes bet, I like to. I'll bet they contextually put that together. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't hear anything, but I'm going to guess there were sirens. <laughs> oh, thank God, Paul said something. Oh, thank God. I was going to have their mid-email. Dear Paul, what was the... Co- oh, okay. No, nope, he said it. Okay. Uh, just, Welcome just del- to my brain, Just Laura. delete that tweet. I'll just delete it. Oh, glad he, glad he circled back on that one. I just... I turn into Brian Regan sometimes. I know I can't help it. Stand-up-wise, I'm just like, Oh, what are you, from the future? Um... <laughs> But uh, my, yes, I'm from Grand Prairie, Texas. I have a brother who's a year and a half older. My mom was a teacher, like, uh, ah, was that blue collar or, or low, uh, low Lower upper, middle, mid, or middle, middle, middle or high middle? Low, mm-hmm. High low five? Upper, yeah, high five class. And uh, my, both my dad worked for City Hall. He was a civil engineer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we lived in the same house. You know, like, we had those normal things and um i'm adopted and uh are your siblings adopted yeah yeah my brother's adopted also i'm adding i'm adding siblings i'm saying siblings yeah no we were all two of us we're both yeah (laughs) um mm -hmm. no a big family of four and um yeah we were both adopted so we're and so we're not relate related so i guess blood related yeah yeah I guess blood related, but I just. Or related. You didn't let him in the house. That's why my, you didn't consider him related. If someone's in your house, you're related to them? I don't know. He's been related to this be dog over, for 11 years. I'll be years. over here if you need me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's. I've been writing about this lately with this being adopted, and it's. Uh, for me, like that, I guess. That, I don't know if that's where stuff starts, or. But for me, like, I. Like, I've never met someone I'm related to. Like, I've never met anyone who, like, uh, the same blood flows through our D- veins. Does that feel like uh, like a loss on yeah. a certain level? Yeah, yeah. it feels like uh, like I'm not connected. It com- feels like untethered. It fe- yeah. And it always has. So, like, that's what's funny to me because I'm, um, uh, I'm sober and, like, so a lot of you, you kind of have time when you're not drinking to get into <laughs> all your nonsense and a thought comes up and you have to wrestle with that for three weeks and uh, or whatever. So I but what I've noticed for me that I think is is weird is like I was in a home where I was loved and I was told I was loved and you know my dad was cranky but he was born in you know the 30s like he what you know like it wasn't he wasn't like a mean person. He had a reason to be cranky. Well I just mean like he wasn't raised to like when I see like my friends my guy friends have kids and they're just like, oh, I'm crazy about my kid. And their whole, like, I, like for when that first started happening, I would just cry the way, like, guys my age would talk about their kids. Because I was like, did my dad ever talk about me like that? Or were did you, he feel it? Or did he? Were you crying because you felt sad for your childhood or because joy that men were changing? M- me, well, less about overall that, like, men were changing, but more like that is just so sweet to see a man, like, so emotionally involved in their kid. And I think maybe a little bit of, like, I don't feel like I had that. But also, I don't know, because your your memory, 
<laughs> is so not cl- you know like there's pictures of my dad holding me and smiling so it's not like I can say he never did but I'm just if I were to describe like how I felt as a kid it was like I remember like my mom you know saying like uh, she loved me I was like five or six and inside I was like you don't mean that you know like and there was no reason for me to be like, like I'm just made that way like there was no reason for me to be like that and now it's so like here okay adoption works like this is you all know but this is how I saw it and processed it is so people who can't have kids go to the adoption agency they sign up for kids and then the adoption agency like people who don't you know, who are going to have babies they don't want to keep, like, they sign up over here. So you just get matched. Like, so this couple is, like, next in line for the next boy. Oh, a boy. They get, you just get matched like that. There's no, like, when they go, oh, you're adopted, you're chosen. You're not chosen. There was no audition. They didn't, like, they didn't, like, bring home five babies and go, you were the best baby from the very beginning. You're a a deli ticket. Yeah. No, you're a deli ticket. You absolutely are. Like, if my parents had hit... Take that to heart, adoptees. You're a fucking deli ticket with legs. Adopted kids. (laughs) Adopted kids are the... And you sicken me. Yeah. I'm the half pound of salami in the deli of life. Being served by a bitter Mickey Rourke. Yeah, they're just like, 26, next, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, it was exactly if she was like, oh, I love you, half pound of turkey. Like, no, you were just, whatever. But um, (laughs) doesn't hold up because that's not what takes your number. Anyway, but I just felt like if, even as a child, I was like, if you had gotten a different baby you would be telling that baby that you love it at six and seven and ten. And, like, as a kid, like, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not healthy for, like, a, that's not a, what a five-year-old don't you is think, not so existential. But, but, but don't you think a lot of kids that, that some version of that thought probably flashes through their brain? Because a, a little part of them in their simplistic child brain thinks, well, if an adult could have given me up, how deeply could this adult really love me? Maybe that's how adults feel about children. Does that make sense? Um, I'm not sure. I, to this day, understand it wasn't personal of an adult giving me up. It was business. Because it was business. It was all business. She was like, people without video will never know the hilarious thing I just did. No, it was all. No, it was. But like she, but any she had never met me either. So it's not like she. It's not like she had me for three months and then decided on adoption. That'd be something, wouldn't it? That happens. I'm sure it that does. That's got to be very hard to get over. Super, super hard. And I'm a lot sure. of times there's an addiction, and and I think the, the the kid, you know, until they understand the power of addiction, they how could they not take it personally? Oh it breaks yeah. Breaks my breaks my heart to think of what that that. How that must affect people's self-esteem. Yeah, it's it, it's also strange. And here's what's interesting to me. Um, so I've had these feelings my whole life of like, and every now and then, my mother was very sweet and she was a, a seventh grade teacher. My mom was a teacher at the school where I went, which that's not fun, but other, she's a nice person. But it's like, I, you know, like one time around that age, like 13, when you're going to say the most horrible thing ever to your mother, my most horrible thing was like, well, you're not really even my mother. And like, I still feel bad about it and regret saying it. And I never said it again. But 
because she was very sick. She didn't even want to think that we were adopted. She was just like, you're my kids. And she just wanted to have kids and her body couldn't. And she just wanted to have a bunch of kids. And she ended, you know, this is what happened. But my brother, here's what's so funny to me. So for me, it's been a plague. Like, I'm a dive. I have no one. I've never looked into eyes that were my eyes. I'm not like, it's very dramatic to me. To My brother has not asked about it one time does not bother him at all if I've brought it up it's almost like he goes huh I guess we were adopted like he just does not <laughs> he's completely well adjusted never like went hunting with dad exactly like that not a problem and I was like nobody understands I'm like an alien when when the Muppets go to space <laughs> and spoiler alert but Gonzo who's always been my favorite he was from another planet. He didn't know. He was like, what am I? Nothing else is blue with a thing. And a, like, you're a frog. You're a pit. What am I? And like, and then other, there's a whole planet where everybody looks like Gonzo. And they're like, you can come. I mean, the Muppets are his family now. And he stayed. But then I was just like, I watched that recently. <laughs> I watched that within the past year. was just crying. It does feel that way. You don't know what you are. And what if there's a planet where everyone's like me? I'm a gonzo. But that's how I felt. I, I always used it. And now I understand, now that I know other people who are, you know, drank a lot, is every, people who drink or anybody in addiction, it's my understanding that they sort of They'll find something like, well, we were Irish or, we, you know, we were too rich or, you know, like everybody has some, you know, like, well, I was in Alaska. Of course I did this thing. Like everybody has it. So, but mine was adoption. So now I know it kind of doesn't even matter. I, I, I'm sure I would have found something. Do you feel like maybe it was a way of you trying to find uh, a way to put that emptiness that you, that most addicts feel by the time they're you know, uh, four or five mm-hmm. years old, and oh, you, maybe the com- maybe the a way to make sense of the yeah, emptiness. Sense of it. Yeah, of the, it, that it addiction is just genetically there. Yeah, it may just be like whatever is around you. Yeah. You're just gonna go. Well, it's the '70s, so of course I feel this way. Or Why whatever, is my room you know, off white? Yeah, <laughs> I hate eggshell. Yeah, like everything was too eggshell in my house. Yeah, I think it would. Ju- yeah, it probably was just to go. Oh, I must feel this way because I'm I'm adopted. Yeah. So uh, give me some some uh, seminal moments from, from childhood, things that kind of were etched into your memory. And they don't have to be huge. You know, sometimes it can be something that, where you're just like, why did that stick in my, in my brain? Um, I have a, a book due in December. So I've been... At the library? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a library. You can check it out four, six months at a time. Um, but uh, yeah, a book that I'm writing, like a lot of these personal essays and stuff so I've actually been thinking about this stuff like more than is good probably um but I um one thing is I had a a a terrible grandmother a really nice mother but her mother was a real asshole (laughs) and she was I, I didn't have the word um when I was little but uh cunt that's I know that's your word. Um and I don't I don't know if that's because you love England and they just say it all the time there, it's no big deal. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I'm just gonna adopt that aspect of the English culture. 
do you like fish and chips? No, but there's a certain word that I just want to... <laughs> just just want to wheel around, but it makes people real mad here. Um, but no, she definitely was. She definitely was that. Um, but she. But I would also say anorexic. And I didn't know I didn't know that word at the time. But she was like, I'm stocky, and my mom is kind of stocky, but she's normal sized. And I don't know. Me, and my brother, and my dad all like my family. We look alike, which is weird. Like it's even weirder if you see a picture of us and you're like, you cannot be adopted. Like my brother and I absolutely look alike. That. And my mom just felt like, good. Like, she, they, honestly, they just never wanted to think about us being adopted. And I brought it up constantly. Anyway, but, the, uh, but we had this grandmother who would just sit. And, like, we had a nice grandmother who lived a, a couple of hours drive away. And then the mean grandmother lived, like, three blocks, which was the worst. And she would sit at the table, and she really just had this, like, like sweater hanging off of bones. And just she would just smoke. And she had a very, like always trying to be fancier than she hair always done and like a like just read people magazine like had a like a glamour complex when like we're just in grand prairie being normal people and my family's a very like regular you know people but she would like smoke on the end of a filter and she would just sit and she she told i was eight years old and and uh i look at kids now and i'm like i was normal sized were there skinnier kids than me yes but I was a normal sized girl. And she was like, you know what you should do? And she said, she goes, if I were you, I'd make a girdle out of an inner tube and and put it, so then the boys will like you. If I made a girdle out of an inner tube, if I were thinner, then boys would like me. I was eight years old. Wow. And there's so many horrible messages in that you're like told directly you are not lovable as you are you must change and it's very important to have validation from men and don't forget water sports and (laughs) and it's good to know a trade girdle making is might make a comeback and there's lots of old tires in the world I'm looking out for your future You know, I, we make fun, but that is fucking horrible. That it was is, horrible, and... Do you remember what you thought or felt when she said that? Did you feel upset? Did you? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Paul. I didn't like it. I, I mean... Specific. I felt like much nicer things had been said to me by other people. Like, you won the spelling bee. You're very smart. I preferred that information. <laughs> But I did not like this at all. <laughs> was there something specific, though, that you thought, like, this is a mean woman, or, oh my God, I really am that way, or uh, some of both? Because kids, a lot of times, will just think that all adults speak the truth, and yeah. you take it all on. Well, I think, I mean, there were a couple things, because I, we knew, my brother and I knew we didn't like her. Like we knew, like it wasn't like she was someone I loved and trusted and then she turned on me and said this horrible thing. So we knew we didn't enjoy her. So I think there was a certain amount of like, what? Seemed unnecessary. (laughs) And I think like in some ways I've kind of always been a little bit funny. So I think I may have had a like, a 
and go to the other room or <laughs> watch yeah. TV or something. But I, but I definitely took it in because it's it's ninety years later and I'm still talking about it. Like it, I definitely took it in and I really, I that's what I took it. Also, here's what's horrible about that kind of statement. No matter where it's coming from. The things that I took from it, again, like, you're not lovable as you are, you know, you need to change, you need to be smaller, you need to take up less, but, like, no one will love you unless you're small. Like, that's, that was something that I got. And, like, it's very important that men love you and no one will love you unless you're small. There's a lot of support in our culture for those... You think? Those thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here, And Paul. I love that... And I love that we're across I've, the street from the Beverly Center. <laughs> we're in Beverly Hills. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. It's, so, it's weird. You know, even if you want to go, I don't like you, so I reject what you say to me. I love myself. You, you know, you go to the grocery store and there's a magazine that goes, your granny was right. <laughs> your granny was right weekly. Your granny was right monthly. <laughs> You know, you go to school and it's like, Steve is so cute. Oh, he likes her. Ah, she's right everywhere. So, yeah. It, and when I was 10, building on this seminal moment, like, it's as, so I would always have this push-pull of, like, I don't want to please her. I don't like this person. She's negative in my life. But I also want to be loved and accepted in the world. And I suspect what she's saying is true in a way. And so, so, so is it fair to say that you believed her warped message, but you just thought you'd prefer to come from a different messenger? Or well, it, I think it's not that you wanted the message, but what I'm saying is, you knew that she was a sick person. But you still believed her? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I still believe the message. And I also think this now as a, as a grown-up, that she, like, that is true in a way. You know what I mean? Just like, I don't know, you know, there's a, you can be a reality star is a one level of living. But a deeper truth that I think my mom, if my mom kind of knew what that did to my head, I think she probably would have explained things to me better, which is... Someone's going to love you no matter what you look. You absolutely do not have to change for anyone because there's a lot of people in the world and you're a fit for someone and you'll love them and they'll love you and there's someone for everyone. And, you know, like Jackie Cation says it so well of like, you know, where she's like, I'm not for everyone, but you, you only need one. <laughs> you know, like she says it better, but it's, just, it's such a great thought of just like, yeah, you like, but I think I had it in my head and I, and I lived that way for a long time of like, Okay, it's my job as a woman to make every guy in the world want to have sex with me. Then I'll choose some of them or something like I didn't really understand it myself, yeah. but it's a weird message you get is like, no, you have to be desirable in just overall. No. And it's like, no, you find find a few people in your life to enjoy. I don't think one at a time <laughs> or whatever we all went to college. <laughs> I don't right, think Paul. any of that. Cheers. I don't think any of us think about that profound thought that, that, that Jackie had. I think we all think, you know, about odds and probabilities. Cast and, a wide net and then uh, yeah. they'll stick around. <laughs> um, so clearly that must have uh, affected your 
your self-esteem and how you viewed yourself in the world? Was there a part of you that felt positively about yourself? That, yeah. That, uh, so was it a what battle? What a great question. Yeah, it's, it's always been a battle. And it's also been like, I never, uh, like I thought I was smart and funny and cute. And, you know, like I, I knew I had good qualities. Also, like I have a mother that said nice things to me. <laughs> Your you mother's know, a miracle, by the way. My mother's wonderful. She No, she is because, uh, here's our family tree, is so Granny, Bernice, had a sister, Pauline, and they were both dicks. <laughs> it's not nice. Pauline uh, Her daughter was not as nice as my mom. Like, she's cool now. She's my cousin, and, and she's great. But it's, but th- she, there was, like, a bitchiness or something on that side. And my mom is absolutely... She's cousin or your aunt? She would have been my cousin because it was my great aunt's Oh, okay. I was confused because I thought the two mean ladies were grandmothers. Yeah, were they sisters. were... sisters. Yeah, they were sisters. And then she had her... So she would have been my uh, mother's... Cousin, she was my second. I'm so cousin. sorry, I asked that question. No, I know. I just these are the kind of questions everybody wants answered. Yeah, they want to know the family is, tree. That's um, not OCD coming in at is, all. Was Pauline? She was who exactly? <laughs> now she was married to Uncle D. You say? By the way, this, these are the moments I edit out of the podcast. <laughs> that our people watching the live version are getting treated to is where Paul brings everything to a halt because he has issues and he needs order to feel safe um but yeah but my mom was really a nice person and not like so nice she was a doormat and not that's amazing. Not bitchy. No, and she went out of her way to be like Did that. You, there was, there was no ever, question. Had she ever gotten any help, or was it just kind of... I mean, how does somebody like know. that, in a, in the absence of a role model or, or, or help, break that cycle? Or was it just I, like she just was, I am going to be everything that is the fucking opposite of that person that raised me? Yeah, I think there was maybe some of that. I mean, she certainly saw how we responded to... to gr- to granny you know and but i think she had decided before that i mean my mom it was so weird too because granny she would tell me how attractive she used to be maybe she was bitchy because you called her granny i didn't invent that no that was somebody are you sure me are you granny i don't know why are you sure i'm supposed to call her mama Maybe you're thinking of the Beverly Hillbillies. Were you thinking of an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies? It was those times. Those were the times we lived in. Um, And it was Texas. Yeah, it was Texas. Yeah, Yeah. we just said granny. What are you supposed to call pop pop? Grandma? (laughs) That that always makes me. (laughs) Meemaw and papaw. Yeah, I don't know. It was supposed to call (laughs) meemaw. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, that was one of the nicer things we called it. Again, I'm bogging it down. This is no, stuff that would be edited you out. You ask the weirdest questions. What? So go ahead. She, um, yeah, I think my mom went over, but she, her husband left when my mom was very young. So my mom was raised by this single mom in the 50s. 
and and a mean mom. Yeah, and a mean mom. And now here's the thing: is so my mom's passed away like years ago, and I and I've be- I've become closer to my father. We didn't have a relationship most of my life, but after my mom passed, like God bless him, like we. We've, we've met in the middle. It's like really beautiful, actually. So I hung out with my dad and I asked him, I was like, I said, because I had a theory like, well, maybe granny was like, cool. And then got bitter as she got older or whatever. And I asked him and he goes, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, did she like you? Was she nicer? When she goes, yes, I didn't really think much of it. Really. She was like, Completely deny. I just think we just try to stay out of each other's way. And I was like, well, all right. Like, he didn't have some sweet story of like, well, she had a tragic, she was a wonderful person. And then something very bad happened and everything changed. It was like, no, oh, no, just a jerk. <laughs> there, was so, this, there was this neighbor that, that we had. They moved away a, a, a long time ago, but they had a mother who was just the most unhappy looking human being Ugh. we've ever seen and uh-huh. she was kind of gaunt and very pale and white hair and she would just sit out in front of their house with just this glum look on her face every day and just smoke cigarette after cigarette and never smile and my wife and I not to her face but we started calling her the porch ghost <laughs> We only knew she was alive because it was yeah. real smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Are we imagining that bird? No, I can smell. But, but smoke. your it's your real. grandma, your granny, sounds she sounds like the porch ghost. Yeah, no, like, she was very porch. She would just yeah smoke at us and just was really unhappy. So I also got a weird message there of like because she's telling me to be good looking and attract boys. Hunched over and pale, yet, yeah, so smoking. for one, yes, if. I mean, if you could have really high self-esteem when you're young, you would go, I don't think you're one to tell me about looks. Ha! And skateboard away. Ha <laughs> ha! Drinking Dr. Pepper and feeling good about yourself. I'm beautiful. Someone will see it. Um, but I, I... It was a weird message of, like, she's telling me to look good, but it didn't do her any favors. So there's also a weird thing there of, like... Maybe if you're like really thin and beautiful, you turn out like that. And so it's a we- so you're like I'm trying to lose weight and I want to be thin and beautiful, but maybe I don't want that. Like it's really bizarre. And so the other thing that's attached to that that was kind of a big deal, and I think very sad now. Now that I know kids this age, it's just horrifying to me. But I was 10 years old, and I went on a crash diet. And it was very much encouraged. But, and here's to my father's credit. He never said anything bad to me about my looks, ever. Like, he let me do this thing, but he wasn't like, oh, good, finally. Like, at all. In fact, he kind of poked fun at me because it was, I'll tell you his joke, because it, it was funny. But uh, it was this seven-day, uh, t- it's the cabbage soup diet. But at the time, it's miserable. I, it was I called it the Dolly Parton diet. <laughs> Maybe because we were in Texas, get a little flair. Um, but yeah, first day, just eat fruit, then just eat vegetables, then fruit and vegetables, and it's like milk and bananas. You know, like obviously a nutritionist knew what the body needed. One day is beef and tomatoes. <laughs> like, oh. It really was like somebody wrote it in a newspaper on a dare. <laughs> day six, cereal and beets. You know, like, <laughs> they'll do anything. <laughs> like... 
Day seven, juggle shoes and eat chocolate. On your last day, I don't know. I don't know that it won't work. (laughs) On your last day, ride a turkey, but don't eat it. Yeah. And that's your test. Yeah. You can ride a turkey and not eat it. What? Uh, yeah, it was it was this thing. So there was a really popular water park that we went to called called Whitewater. And all my dad said about this whole experience was because I went to Whitewater on like the Just Eat Fruit Day or something, and he goes, more like brown water, because he's a dad, and that's a hilarious dad joke. But even that was like I would look back on that as a gentle way of kind of not supporting this diet thing but it's like i think my my granny supported it and i think my mom was just like i think my mom's thing about weight was like i think your life might be easier if you're thin because that's the world we live in and i want that for you but it never came at me of like something's definitely wrong with you and you fall short unless you look a certain way at all like from her at all but I, at 10 years old, I lost 10 pounds in a week on this diet. And then, and Grand, you know, never seen her support me more. So that's a really weird thing when you, you do this, you know, you do this unhealthy, you do this self-hating thing, right? You're depriving yourself, and you're a child, depriving yourself of nutrition and all kinds of things. And you do it in a self-hating way, and then you're rewarded for it. Then you go to the public pool, and I remember some man didn't touch me, but like really leering. And so I remember feeling very body conscious. And I'm t- I just love to swim, you know, and I'm 10 at the pool, but I remember feeling a danger I had not felt before in public of like a man present predator looking at you you other than a child yeah something like that and i remember but also like i think that's what's supposed to happen so it's like it's awful i mean it's awful sounds very confusing it's very confusing because you're like i think men are supposed to like but this isn't and i'm 10 years old like you're just supposed to be coloring and you know reading encyclopedia brown i don't know what it's probably been a couple of books written since (laughs) since then Twilight, I guess. Try to update these. <laughs> Judy Bloom. But yeah, it's so that's where I came, I had this kind of a normal home and nice people and we were provided for, but I had this inner turmoil and then I had this specifically about looks and weight, this, you know, th- these awful messages and, you know, stuff that came out of that. Uh any, I, I, I want to try to make sure that we leave enough time to cover all the kind of the big things. And oh, I do want to leave some time to talk about uh, oh, how important know. meditation has, oh, has yeah. been to you. Um, so what would be the next thing to, to, <laughs> to, to, to talk about, the next uh, area of your life or moment from your life or I don't know. I mean, if, if, struggle? If, I don't know, the, you know our kind of time constraints, but if we, if we want to kind of like just jump and go like, you know, I kissed a lot of boys and tried to get a lot of attention, and uh, I'm naturally sort of gregarious, and um, I ne- I didn't feel comfortable at home. Um, my parents and my brother are all very quiet. They're quiet, normal people. They don't need applause, and they don't need, like, I really felt like an alien at home, but at school I could really, like, I felt fun. I, you know, I like the social, social aspects. 
Yeah, I was I was the funny popular. You know, there's like the beautiful blonde instantly popular. Like I was always amazed with it seemed like every other year or so there was just a girl who came from another school. And you know school politics, you're supposed to like start on the bot like, oh you're from another school, we don't know you. But if it was a pretty girl, straight to the popular table and I was like, How do you how's that work? <laughs> like we're She's wearing. I, nobody hair. asked me to sit over there. You know, like, how does she know how to maneuver in the? Oh, she man. had an inner tube. Yeah, no, she. Uh, everybody, that is one thing that I never took with me. Was like, she probably has a girdle inner tube. Probably like that is. I never, I never thought people who were successful were rocking an inner tube <laughs> girdle. Say your sense of humor became a, a way for you to uh, fit in. To I I get I just always I don't you know it's kind of a cliche it, for yeah, comedians yeah. but but it's also it's a weird thing of like I, if people are good at science or something yeah. probably they get way better at science you know like I you know there's a certain aptitude I guess because I just remember like you know when you're young and whatever's on TV you're gonna gravitate towards something and I just I loved comedy like you know Steve Martin would do specials or whatever and I would go to school quoting them and I don't remember anyone else doing that <laughs> you know or like in junior high like you know we had the stuff in uh, you know our tapes and our our Walkman I might as well just hand you my birth certificate <laughs> um, but uh, you know like I was listening to Eddie Murphy and I was listening to Joan Rivers and I like I don't think other people were really... I mean, people in the world, I now know, were doing that, but not at, not in Grand Prairie. Do you, do, you, do you feel like, though... You know, I often feel that comedians, we, we were funny because, because we had to be funny. You know, I think there are people that Maybe. choose to be funny. And yes, there's a choice in deciding to be funny. But I think for, for a lot of us, it was like, oh, this is the world is so much easier this way as opposed to I'm just a fan of comedy. Well, but I wonder, like, if it's not just something you're inherent... Like, I've always been a good speller, for example. I, I mentioned that spelling bee, you guys. I won from the whole school in fifth grade. I, I did, though. Anyway, but, like, for example, but I never decided. I was never like, oh, I'm going to really learn to s spell. It was more of like... I noticed other people were struggling with reading or spelling, and I was like, well, it's real easy for me. Well, I guess I'm good at it. And then I, kept, then I just thought of myself as good at it, you know? So I think, like, with comedy, it's like, I, you know, I don't know if you can go, I have to be funny to deal with right. this if you're not I think it's like if I, something about you is into this... Th I don't know. I think you grow in that direction well, or me, something. Does I, I that think, make sense? I think the litmus test for it sometimes is can you not be funny can there when things get uncomfortable can you be serious and be and be vulnerable and i think that's the 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 difference and for some of us we grew up having to be funny and then we learned a way to put that aside when we needed a real moment with with somebody mm. and so i guess what i'm asking is have there and i suppose i know the answer to this because you've been sober a while but are there times when you find yourself going for the funny car, but you're like, oh, no, this is a moment when I need to, to kind of put that away and um, be vulnerable? Um, maybe in the big... I actually like being vulnerable. I, I mean, and that... 
is probably a recent development, I guess. But I actually noticed that a while back. I was like, I actually really like it. I, li- I like depth. I like... Um, I, I love when I hear somebody else say that thing that you've never heard anyone say, but you're like, me too, and like the healing that happens it's there. the best. Yeah, or the, you know, uh, vice versa. You know, like saying that thing that people are like, I've, I've, I've never heard it put that way or like that, I have that too. or so. Like, I actually really like that. So I, I, don't, I don't feel like... Also, somebody told me early on um, about sobriety specifically, they were like, I, I don't ever... They were very funny people and they were like, I never try to be funny in there. I go there to save my life. And so really early on, I was like, oh, I don't ever... You know, in it, when it has to do with sobriety, I don't ever want to try to look good there. I don't ever want it, so I just never did. Yeah. So I, so that was like a gift, I guess I got because I never feel like, oh man, I don't. Feel Who like am that. I if I'm not? Yeah. Funny. Also, you know what? I want relief. I want the relief that comes from healing, not the uh, from attention. Not well, or not the. Um, putting it off that comes from making a joke out of it. I want the right. actual like, uh, like I heard you on on this talking to um, Aparna and I th- it was such a great interview and you were like, is there anything you won't tell a therapist? And and uh, I was like, oh my like, you know. that make you uncomfortable? I was just answering in my, in my own head. <laughs> just made it about me. But like, I, no, it didn't make me uncomfortable. I was like, oh, there i I love. I'll tell my therapist. I love to go into my therapist, and I'm like, this. <laughs> take it. Ugh. it's your job. <laughs> I'm paying you. So I feel like I go in. I almost feel like she's like, oh Jesus. Like I go in, and this and this and this and this. Oh my God, the hour's up. Okay. <laughs> All right, come that's, back next that's week. Why and I'm, I'm like, no. <laughs> that's why I'm always so blown away and frustrated on a certain level by people that hide stuff from their therapist because I'm like, I would I, never. I share everything. Uh, there is nothing that I that I have not share shared. Share most with things the, with strangers. Yeah. <laughs> the therapist, she's gonna get it. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I find myself and I, and I laugh at myself because I've been with a therapist and I've said like, oh, I've never said this to anyone, and then it's like, well, that's the situation. <laughs> like I just really feel like I can That's what we arranged. Jeez. That's literally the only thing that's happening here. <laughs> like, like it'd be weird if I go, ah, this seems weird, but I feel like you should just give me a, a back rub. Like that'd be weird. But I'm like, I just I just really feel like I can open up. <laughs> it'd be so funny to go see a therapist an and just go, can I talk to you about something? Can I? <laughs> Hey, you you might think this is weird, but what? <laughs> Am I crazy? Or was my grandmother a little mean? When did uh, getting loaded become a problem Woo! for you? What? How long have you been sober, First by the of way? all, s- just over seven years. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you. But uh, smattering uh, of applause. <laughs> yes, I love people like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a normal. I mean, yeah. good, I guess. <laughs> um, I uh, w- 
the term get loaded, we don't say in Texas. I've only heard it in Southern California. And it sounds so old timey to me. Does it? That you might as well have just have said, so when did you... When'd you meet old John Barleycorn? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when did getting low, get, getting low. Hey, uh, did you ever smoke a doobie? Like, it just sounds so funny to me. We just said get drunk and stuff. Yeah. So get loaded to me sounds very like a, like a, the 50s yeah. or like like what they do in Pleasantville. You want to yeah. get loaded? Well, hey, for me, it encompasses... We're just at the malt shop. Well, me and my cool friends are going to get loaded and ride motorcycles. For me, I, I use that term because it encompasses both drinking and doing drugs, whereas getting drunk... It still sounds dumb. It does. It does. Uh, like, do I get high? Like, horse punch I, your kidney? <laughs> Butt fuck your liver? Uh Wow, you you really hit it hard, <laughs> um, dude. You ever smoke any grass? Use your use your grass. <laughs> any tea? Do I grass. never heard it. You remember that like the list they give you in sixth grade of the names for marijuana? No. Tea was one. Of, I've never heard anybody. Tea. Never heard anybody once. Even old how, people call how it tea. How hoity-toity is that? Would you like a bowl of tea? Yeah. So when did you? When did it become a problem for you? Mm. You know, they say there's there's three stages of uh, addiction: fun, fun with problems, and problems. Oh, all right. Um, Your grandmother told me that. <laughs> she had all the answers. You know, Paul, you'd be better looking. What if she just <laughs> gave terrible advice to everyone of how they'd be better looking? If you'd make some shoes. Out of a canoe. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great if I could have just been like, you're crazy. <laughs> been nice. <laughs> I love Garfield. What if she'd said, you'd be more attractive, Paul, if you did anything? Oh, Paul. Think that would hurt? Paul. That would hurt. It hurts right now, just uh, to imagine. Um, do you feel like uh, you're... Getting sober is an important thing to talk about because maybe there's other stuff that you, maybe you find it boring to talk about. And we certainly talked about addiction a lot on the on the podcast. Maybe um, if there's anything you want to share about, I don't know, do you want to talk about meditation stuff or yeah, I do want to. I do want to. I mean, about this. I I drank for t- for 20 years, even though I look very young. <laughs> right, video people, um, <laughs> but I uh, it was a problem. I guess for me, well into my adulthood where essentially, well, you know what? It actually ties in with what you're talking about. So here's what I'll say that I think is relevant is I stopped drinking. I had, I had a food issue that I got help for. And I actually reached a point one year of like, I feel so good. Like I was eating well and I was doing this like uh, program that was suggested. And I was like, oh, I'm d- this is great. I f- I've got it. I feel great. I feel connected to love and the world. And I feel in, you know, my own strength and I feel great. Then I, and it ties into meditation actually. So after doing that for a few months, I like slipped a few times. Uh, every time drinking alcohol. Because this food thing is like. They don't want you, it's just empty calories, so nobody is like, oh, food issue, definitely drink a lot of <laughs> alcohol. It's going to clear it right up. So, uh, they, but I never, I didn't identify as having a problem with alcohol. Anyway, so I 
getting into this thing, I was like feeling so good. And I was like, maybe it's time to learn to meditate. Like I really want to, like how well can I be? And um, which is also a funny, like alcoholic thing is like, I want to be super well. Yeah. Like, I want to change everything. I want to be very unique. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> to be like, like just, wouldn't just be well. No, I'm just green juice forever. So I was like, um, I learned to meditate. And that same weekend I signed up to learn to meditate. I met a really cute boy. So, and uh, he liked to drink and get high and smoke. And I was, but he was so cute. And here's the, here's how it ties into what my, oh my God, I might really cry is that because it is so sad to me but I from doing this getting well in this food thing I so I say this because probably other people see the world this way because I'm not so unique but I had thinned myself down or let's say up to like a cuter level of guy do you know what I mean like I had lost a certain amount of weight, and then this guy was like, hey, you're cute. And I knew that would not have been the case at the weight I was a few months before. Or, and if that's not true, that was my thinking. Was like, oh, like I'm in a new class of cute now. How exciting. So I learned to meditate, and I hung out with this person, and uh, I... I was like, oh, meditation, this is great. This feels really good. And then I was like, this guy like would get high every day and drink like a bottle of wine or two a night or whatever. Like good stuff that I needed and, uh, in my life. And, uh, and I remember being like, you know what? Why am I working so hard with this, this food thing and this meditation? Like isn't getting high basically the same thing? And I was like, I never, like, I just, all the things I told myself, I was like, I've got it. I'm fine. I look fine now. And I... I just, I walked away from healthy stuff. It was really was like I was at a crossroads and I just was like, I want to do this. And then that hit a bottom. And so basically a year, there was this one year where I felt great, as I mentioned, one year later, almost exactly like to the month, one year later, I hit a bottom of a night where I was like, I was doing anything that came my way, anything. And I mean cocaine like somebody this is how I, I they go hey do you want to do some coke and I was like no you sure okay <laughs> if you're a twist my arm like I'm gonna be rude like so I was just like yeah okay and you know there were beers and there were like then we were at a bar a friend of mine this was in Oklahoma City which is a great place to hit a bottom because you're probably already close to a bottom if you're in the- <laughs> I'm sorry, Oklahoma City listeners. You're from but, Texas. That's, a, that's it's, expected. There's a rivalry. So yeah. anyway, but I was like, my friend was like DJing at this bar. And like, I couldn't, j- like, it was like a Tuesday night in Oklahoma City. But I had had to be an epic night for old housey. And so I was like, I, I went and let's, they, ha- they were pulling Red Bull and vodka down an ice sculpture luge so I just put my mouth right on it which I think you're not supposed to do but I was like I didn't care about hillbilly germs and I was just like let's do this and I'm talking to this guy and he walks away now I'm talking to this guy and we're like we're gonna go out inside and smoke I don't smoke but it's like yeah I'm gonna do that too like any anything and it was the next day I mean 
and to the degree that it even has to do with, with food, somebody brought by Taco Bell at three in the morning and I was like, this too. <laughs> like every, it was the next morning that it hit me deeply because I had felt so good a year before. Um, and then I kind of found that I was like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. Like that, my, that was my bottom was I, this is what I'm always going to do. No matter how good things get for me, I'm going to come back to this place every time. So I got help. That's when I, I really got help and, and stuff. The, that was like just over seven years the, ago. the drinking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is uh, not good. And, and it also got so bad, like kind of even for me, because there were ages in my Like if I was 19, a night like that wouldn't bother me at all. I'm like, I'm 19. I'm living my life. You know, then you're like... 25 and you go well, I think it's still okay and well if your age starts with a three or a four or a five like I mean and I was honestly like I'm gonna be doing this at 50 and 60 yeah. like I was like I literally am never going to stop doing this and so that's when I got help and, and stopped drinking and just to clarify about the food it was you would change the way you eat to to not because you necessarily wanted to change how you look but because it was healthier I think that's what I told myself, but I, it's always been to change how I look. Yeah. It's always been to change how I look, too, because there is a, and the feeling is deep and awful. I'm, of uh, Now, you're my therapist. I've never said this to anyone, Paul, but um, why not to anyone who chooses to hear? To pay, or to pay 20 um, bucks on the internet. Yeah. You know what? You've earned it. <laughs> Listen up. Um, I, um, the feeling that's horrible, and I've only recently been able to even acknowledge it or deal with it, is uh, I have to change how I look to be acceptable to other people. And that, it's horrible. It is? It's horrible to, like... Uh, so no matter how, if, if I'm funny or compassionate, if I've taught you to meditate, if, I've, if you were feeling down and I was the one who said, hey, c come over, let me care for you, um, does not matter if I don't look, if I take up too much space with my body. That's the feeling of I probably a lot of people dieting related but a ton just, of people and they use that phrase how dare you say a ton of people <laughs> everybody <sighs> you if you're cheap not, shot paul if you're not, cheap shot if you are not watching this on video you are missing so much of the charm of Laura House. Um, that was I, a horror movie in the seventies. The, char the charm, no, of Laura the charm House, of Laura wasn't it? House. I was named after that yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I do want to say this: that's on the upside, which is being able to talk about it. Like for me to identify that thought that I just shared with you means I can shine a light on it, yeah. and it's going to dissipate. That's why stuff like what you do is so important therapy but also this podcast of like 
you know, odds are, you're, like, you're hearing very personal information of other people that you're not going to hear otherwise because there's something about you that brings it out and, and you broadcast it, and that's very special. But it's like when you can go, oh, that's because otherwise, like, probably two months ago, I didn't know that was the thought. I just thought, oh, I should be smaller so I'll be healthy, and that's what that is, and because that's what society tells you on a surface level. But on the deeper level, it's saying you're not good enough to exist how you are. And that's horrible. And I really, that was under everything that happened to me. Or, you know, that was under every experience I had. Like, I'm talking to Paul Gilmartin, and he's my friend, and I run into him at a coffee shop. He probably wishes I was smaller. Like, not consciously, because intellectually you would go, that's crazy. Paul's not even thinking about that. But that's what was in every moment, every exchange. I've had the same boyfriend who tells me he, he loves me. I have four years, and we live together. Every moment of every day, there's been an undercurrent of like, yeah, but he, I mean, no, he loves me, I guess, or he says it, but he, which, of course, he wishes I was, looked different. Of course, he wishes I was smaller, like, of course. And I, I had no idea that was like infecting, you know, every moment that I had. It's got to be terrible. Well, it is. It is. It is really like, yeah, it's painful. And it's pain. And then it's to say it is like, geez, like it's freeing because it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's a good thing to get, get to acknowledge and get out from under. But it's also like you when you heal a little bit and feel bad for that self, like, oh, that Laura that lived with that for decades. Oh. How horrible. But you just do it. And who knows, like, you actually said on that last one that uh, it wasn't the very last one, but the Aparna one of, like, you know, I think you said it in the letters or something that, like, I think, you know, you're depressed now because you didn't acknowledge something that happened. Like, that's one of the things I had not acknowledged it because I didn't have the tools to acknowledge it. It wasn't right. You know, that took me seven years of sobriety and whatever therapy and whatever, whatever, to get to that thought. And here's... I, my, Jerry Stahl wrote a book about Fatty Arbuckle, and it's called I Fatty. And I bought it at the bookstore. I love Jerry Stahl, and I was going through his books, like reading them, and uh, not his books in his home, but his, that he's written for public. <laughs> but I, I went, this is funny. It's okay to relieve it now, because I, I was vulnerable, right? So you, <laughs> I want you to think I'm just blowing it off. But this really was like a big moment. Was, so I bought the book I Fatty, and I was walking around reading I Fatty. Do you know how much mental recovery I have to have to walk around carrying a book called I Fatty? <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> that I'm not going, oh, everybody's <laughs> just thinking. What a terrible name for a book. Well, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, I mean, really like that. And maybe, like you said in the beginning, may, the same way maybe I had like just messed up thinking and I attributed it to being adopted. You know, maybe if it wasn't the weight, it was something else. Or a lot of women who were like, I, they're too skinny. Or I, I read some article, I remember reading some article uh, when I was in high school or so, you know, like a, just some dumb interview with Demi Moore or something. And she didn't like her elbows or something. And I was like, elbows? <laughs> Boy, they're way down the list for me. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, mine are 
weird kind of, you know. <laughs> it's insidious that, that you it, just feel like you don't have value unless everyone wants to have sex with you. That's bizarre. And it's amazing how deeply we will bury uh, truths that we yeah. feel about ourselves. You know, for if you'd asked me the first 20 years I was doing, probably until I got sober, why do you do stand-up comedy? And I would be, well, because I enjoy making people laugh mm -hmm. and I feel like I have a talent for it and I love the craft of comedy. But now that i am got a little bit of distance from it because I don't really do it anymore, uh, I think the biggest reason was I wanted love. Mm. I wanted to be heard. I wanted to be seen. And doing this podcast, I've never felt as heard and felt as I have doing this podcast. And I realized, oh, this is the feeling I've been looking mm. after my whole life. And while, yes, part of the podcast is, you know, uh, I want to help other people, I do this for selfish reasons as well because it, it, it helps me feel less alone. But the reason I mention this is, A, I like talking about myself. But um, We know. Uh, but I, the, that truth was buried so deeply, uh, yeah. the way that we can lie to ourselves. But if you think about it, we bury shit in layers, so why wouldn't it come up in layers? Yeah, absolutely. We, we bury it in such a complicated way. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not going to come up simply. So that makes sense to me, but, uh, you know, I was sitting here as, as you're talking, and I'm like, she's one of the loveliest guests I've ever had. She's... Come on. I mean, truly, I was just like, thank you. There was, there was a moment about five minutes into it where I was like, I don't have to do anything. I can, <laughs> she's, she's. She'll never stop talking. No. No, it was like, I don't have to pull anything out of her. She knows when to lighten it up. And she's being her, she's vulnerable. She's, I just felt like, thank you, universe. Thank you, universe. And that you, as that person, could yet have that same thought about yourself just goes to show how awesome therapists are. That they're, uh. that they're there for, for us when, when we've got these unnecessary wars in our brains. And I don't think there's anybody that, that doesn't have some type of war in uh, their brain. Yeah. And talk, talk about, if you would, the fallacy that if we can cure this one thing we're gonna oh. we're gonna be okay Chase, well, chasing that thing and it takes a long time to get there also i you know a week from now i may be on the celery diet like that's a weird thing to think too but it's true like i could run into you six weeks from now and be like oh i just eat marshmallows no it's a real it's good for you it's a thing and it'll be you know like as a friend you'll be like all right she's doing her thing you know like it's it's insidious that, like, you reach these epiphanies and go, oh, I get it. I'm okay. I've been okay the whole time. Okay. Great. And then I'll run into somebody who's like, oh, have you read this, you know, four-hour body book? And I'm like, no, what, what's that? <laughs> like, and I, I, like, I love that guy who wrote that. I, like, I love that. But it's like I'll run into somebody like, no, I just eat turkey chili every day for lunch. I'm like, what do I like turkey chili? You know, like... <laughs> Because people are like, oh, I feel good, and it's yeah. all, and like, so it it's insidious, but yeah, it's you to feel like you don't have any value unless you look a, a certain way. Is uh, I didn't know that was a thing, but that was something that was reflected back to me in in this. Uh, <laughs> my friend calls a therapist. My my friend who I pay. Yeah. <laughs> my friend who I pay. And I think there's a difference too between uh, lifestyle 
and a diet to change um, how people look at you. Do you know what I mean? To wanting yeah. to feel good about yourself. Because I don't think there's anything unhealthy with wanting to feel attractive. But I think if it's coming from a place of I'm, do- I'm, I'm doing this because I can't bear how people look at me yeah. as opposed to I want to f- feel good about myself. Yeah. Does that I make just, sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I guess here's what's super crazy about the mind is that I'll f- – I'll say this one thing and I'll think it. And intellectually, I'm operating as a healthy person. And underneath it is, I'm not acceptable. You know, like, able to tell the difference. And it's only maybe a a point of self-discovery. You know, that it's because people can go to the gym and be totally mentally healthy people. And people can be, you know, people can look really lean and fit and be sick mentally and physically. You I, can be f- fat inside. I know. Apparently. A, a, like, there's a lot of. There's, there's a guy that, that I know who is, uh, I, I'm jealous of the, of the way he looks. He's my age and he looks like he's, you know, 30 years old. And he's goes to the gym, and he bikes, and he swims, and he has all the dedication that well, he I can like never. Sounds like an asshole. <laughs> Guess who I'd rather hang out with, Paul Gilmartin? Hey. But I, I remind myself. I remind myself that he is a deeply unhappy person that has. <laughs> He has trouble connecting to people, and I say to myself, well, you have that. You're able to connect to people in a deep way, and everybody has their thing that they lack. And this sounds like, I know, 70s cheese ball stuff, but embrace what what you do have and try to take baby steps on working on the stuff that you don't, but don't wait until you cross a finish line to go, okay, now I'm here, now the party can begin. I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's oh you are That's the struggle a, that I have to remind myself that. Yeah, I get and then also the thing is like you know something I'm working on is like what do I think about that? Like it had never occurred to me How do you feel about yourself, you mean? Yeah, well or like this is the this is what I ate for lunch. There's been a part of my head and I only realized this recently of like alarms going off. I shouldn't have the, like like I ate Here's a really specific example. I had tacos for lunch, you guys. And, but I, what I noticed, because I'm, tr- I'm trying, the thing I'm trying now is like, just notice these thoughts in my head. So the thought that came up for, was like, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, you're always hungry. And then I was like, oh, real negative. Okay, just looking interesting. And this is my new training. And then, and then it's funny to me too, because six months from now I'll be on to something. I was doing what? I can't believe that was recorded. But <laughs> what the ta- the taco conversation this is insane. Um but then I was like, "Oh, you know what? I want this." And then I noticed the other thoughts that come up from training and weird, you know, like, but you can't get that you should get a salad because of this, but you should get this, but don't get this but any fa- any dairy and you have the thing and you ha- and then I was like, "Oh my god, like Exhausted, and these are thoughts that I don't usually notice. Like I just 
am recently able to notice these things. Then I, I noticed too, and I, I got what I wanted and it seemed to help. It was fine with me. And that was just something that I never asked myself. Is this fine with you? I was like, it's fine with me. It's how there's vegetables and there's stuff. Like, it's fine with me. Oh, it's satisfying. I feel nurtured and nourished. Good. This is fine with me. I realized, like, after I would have been spinning of, like, everybody thought that. And I don't literally think in an arrogant way people are at restaurants going, what is she eating? That's outrageous. I know nobody's looking at me. But that that ghost everybody that's grandmother or magazine or whatever that or the you know ex-boyfriend who said the shitty thing or what you know like that ghost everybody like that was too much shouldn't have done that i should probably just eat lettuce until i look different and i should you know whatever all these shoulds and then I, i like i got to quiet it just by saying like you know this is fine it's fine with me you know, this is what I'm going to wear today. It's fine with me. As opposed to like years of getting dressed or whatever, being like, I guess this until I look different. I just have to cover up or do, you know, or I look pretty good in this. Or mm-hmm. is this thinning? And I wish I, you know, it, it's the level of self-hate that's buried in in stuff. is It's mm-hmm. like it's staggering. It's staggering to look at it. And like part of it, you know, like, uh, we went to talk about meditation that has helped me look at this too because here's the thing is like before I could meditate you're just your thoughts and and there's not even really like a noticing of your thoughts necessarily you think it's reality yeah it's just these are thoughts and you feel like you're made up of thoughts and then I then I meditated and I had this like what happens when you meditate and I, I tell you I, I teach a method that there's a a very uh, specific way to do it. The cabbage soup meditation. The cabbage soup. We call it the Dolly Parton meditation (laughs) in Texas. We call it a shotgun mantra. Is that? Um, I took a yoga class when I was home in Grand Prairie visiting a few weeks ago. I was the only one in there. And there are people in this room traveling. There's not a yoga class in LA at noon that's not super crowded. (laughs) Like everyone is jammed in there. And I was like, I'm the biggest yoga enthusiast in in Grand Prairie, Texas. I'm the yogini of Grand Prairie. I was like, that's, I'm the best one in here. Um, But I found, what was I talking about? Oh, meditation. So meditation gives this like, you're watching your thoughts. So, and I was saying the technique I teach is very specific, but mindful meditation is easy and free, and I'll explain it to you right now. All you do is close your eyes, and you notice your breath, and you just notice it. This is while you're driving? (laughs) Only while you're driving. Okay. It's a good look, everybody. But but the point of it is so, you know, there's less road rage. Like, meditate while you're driving. If there's any message you should take away. Sounds unsafe, but it's actually increasing No, safety. no, it's very good. It's very good. Uh, no, anywhere you can sit comfortably and relax and, you know, any of the, just, it's all very comfortable and natural. And if you have an itch, scratch it. And if you, your legs are crossed and then midway, you're like, that's uncomfortable, move them. You know, you don't have to feel like I'm meditating. Like, it's not meant to be anything negative. Or but you don't, or you, but you don't want to be down, uh, laying like in you a know, position you where you would down. fall asleep. No, you, you sit you up. You're fairly you sit. upright. Right? 
you're making it sound awful. What? No, I'm no just kidding. this yeah, is what no, my meditation teacher taught me. She's know, like, you have yeah. A, uh, yeah, you want to have your back support. You're sitting up, but you're comfortable. Is my point, as opposed yeah. to like feeling like frozen statue or whatever. So, you close your eyes and you snow your breath. Oh, just breathe in. It'll, it'll probably slow down once you start. I heard a sigh. That's nice. Uh, it'll probably slow down once you start noticing it or whatever. And now here's the thing that I was not told previously and that I've gotten a lot of benefit from from the meditation I do, which is different than the one I'm explaining, but it's similar in a way. So I thoughts will come. Thoughts will come. And what I've learned as a meditation teacher, and I've taught for like five years now, is trying to get thoughts out of your mind is like trying to get wet out of the ocean. Why would you do it? It's probably expensive. And then <laughs> what do you do with a dry ocean? <laughs> like, so it's like your mind will stop thinking one day right at the end. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what meditation is for. So I think a lot of people feel like, I can't get thoughts out of my mind. I can't meditate. It's really the opposite. If you can think, you can meditate. So it's like well, you get this thing of like, oh, thoughts are here. Oh, I'm not focused on the breath. I'll, I'll put my attention back on the breath. Okay, breath or thoughts come. You can be totally engaged in those thoughts. How do I always have three loads of laundry to do? Oh, I'm not on the breath. Oh, go back to the breath. Okay, breathing, breathing. And you'll just notice your body kind of settle down. And even just the experience of, oh, I'm not worrying about my life. I'm not actively engaged and being upset right now. I'm just relaxing. Okay, this is nice. Even if it's for five minutes once a month. You go, oh, this is my five minutes once a month to just... I'm just not involved in anything. And you start to notice, like, oh, no, am I having thoughts? Oh, go back to the breath. And then you start, inevitably, you're going to ask the question, who's noticing my thoughts? Some other part of me is noticing, oh, I'm having thoughts. I'm not focused on the breath. I'm going to go back to the breath. Then you start realizing, I I'm this thing over here. Like, this is, like, and I just point to my chest, but it's because it's very attractive. (laughs) (laughs) If you get nothing else from this podcast. Um, But, yeah, I just, I'm like, I live here. What is, so these thoughts are just these other things. It doesn't, you're not involved in your thoughts when you meditate any more than, like, you're invi- the car's out on the street. Like, they're going by, you get it? They're going by, but you're not like, oh, what is that, a red Mazda? You know, like, you're, they're just going by. Or, like, if you're flying in a plane and there's clouds outside the window, that's, like, your thoughts when you meditate. Oh, they're just going by. I'm not involved in them. And oh. seeing them isn't a bad thing. It actually can be enlightening because sometimes when I'm meditating, I'll find myself going from my mantra back to going, oh, oh you know, who about that thing? And w- when I, I find myself for the fourth time going mm-hmm, back, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, clearly I'm very worried about this thing yeah. that keeps popping. So it introduces me uh, to my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And you go, oh, that, that's coming. Yeah, and so then there's just this separateness. And this thing, this consciousness back here that isn't having the thoughts isn't bothered by any of it. No. Oh, it's almost like, oh, look. Part of my head is worried about that thing Friday. Hmm, oh, back to the mantra. Or if you want to do a mindful meditation, back to the breath. You don't have to have a mantra. That's what I use, but you don't have to. You're just like, oh, breath, oh, breathing in and out. And then you come out of it and you just, there's a stillness because what's happened is, and the reason this meditation is so interesting to me, is that 
before I only had my thoughts. I only had whatever upset. I only had whatever anxiety and stuff. And I didn't have a place to, it's like if you never turned your phone off or your computer, like just running, 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 like it just freaks out and breaks down. And so it's like, oh, for this little bit of time, I just, yeah, I'm just unplugged. You know, like I have, I've called meditation. This is not uh, enlightened or it's not going to sound spiritual. Dog park for the mind. Like it's just a time that the mind, like my brother has a, a, a Labrador and uh, he, my brother works in Dallas, but he owns property um, a couple hours drive away um, because he's very successful. I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> Maybe a little. What? No, he's... So he has this... He, they like to hunt and fish and stuff, so he has this property out here. So they'll put the big dog in the car, and they'll drive a couple hours, and then open the door, and the dog gets out in, at this 300-acre... My brother's very rich. And he gets this 300-acre ranch with oil wells, and he gets out at this... <laughs> 300 and the it's just like oh oh I can do anything I can go anywhere and like kind of that's meditation is like I'm not controlling my mind the rest of the day I'm harnessing my mind I need my mind on a leash and then for this whatever five minutes or whatever it just does what it's dreamy it's dreamy it's chill it's easy it's like oh I'm having thoughts whatever breath it's very simple and easy and relaxing and so what it what it gives me outside of the practice is like like when I have a thought like you know, oh, I have to lose some amount of weight or whatever. Let's say if it's something like that or, or oh, I don't, I don't look right or, you know, what I can, I have some distance, you know, so it's like these thoughts get to come up where I can go, oh, that's so interesting that I thought I shouldn't eat that for lunch or, oh, that's so peculiar, oh, how interesting that I thought, there's some invisible voice that was upset over what I just had or did or, you know, that I, that I should feel shame for something that I wouldn't otherwise because there's phantom judgment somewhere, you know, or whatever yeah. that, that you just go, oh, I guess I can just get off of that thought. And I think sometimes it gives you the chance to go, oh, is that the negative voice that was kind of wired into me in childhood because there was, you know, somebody negative in my life? Or sometimes, and I'm sure you've had this experience, you'll get insightful thoughts popping mm -hmm. into your head or ideas. Actually, the idea for this to do this podcast came into my mm. head and the name for it when I was when I was meditating. And I think um, you know David Lynch has a book called about the catching the big fish. Catching the big Such fish. Such a good book. And the premise of it is the more you can quiet the mind, the more you can access the really beautiful kind of um, unegotistical thoughts. It is. It's, I mean, that's really simply what it is. It's going past the ego. The ego is the thought. The egos are, I don't look right. I should have more money. I need more stuff. I, Lara House has to be more exciting than she is right now and better. And everything better, better. I need something. So I, and it'll, it'll obsess. I did something in the past that I shouldn't have done or this thing won't happen in the future or it will and that'll be bad, whatever. That's the, the mind is casting out that kind of thought. And it's all ego related. And then it's like you just go, oh, what am I without all that? Oh, everything's real fine. Oh, I know what I was going to say is that so I didn't have any relief from that. But for me, I meditate twice a day. So it's like I visit the place in me where everything's fine twice a day. 
So there's stress release. It actually like releases stress from the body. And, but it gives me the experience instead of just going, oh, I wish I didn't feel bad anymore. Oh, well, whatever I do. It's like, oh, you know what? Right now I don't feel bad. Okay, and go back into life. Oh, you know what? Meditating right now. Okay, don't feel bad. Go back into life. And just visiting that place twice a day, it just because bleed, you fi- it bleeds be- over. And because you physically experience it. Yeah, you, phys- you have a physical experience of this, of I feel fine. And then, so then even if I'm like at 7-Eleven where everything makes me crazy or the like, I don't know why, just one person in line, I'm like, let's move! <laughs> like... I've completely lost the ability to wait for anything anymore. Thanks, Amazon. But, but seriously, thanks, Amazon. Because you, cause I'm so glad I have a Prime account. Everything's so I don't ever have to leave the house. Anyway, so I, I, you just get this like, oh, I visit this place. And that, it just starts to meld. Where like, oh, I'm doing all my life stuff and but I have a sense of what I get in meditation and like, it's just so valuable. You can learn it online. You can learn it from free. You can get a CD, like any kind of meditation is, is valuable. And I was just, as you were talking, I was just struck by the irony that, you know, by focusing on your breath, focusing on this part of your body, you wind up getting relief from the very thing that you struggle from with. From the horrible thoughts about my body. About your body. And, I also and, have and some pretty sexy thoughts about my body. <laughs> you want to share any of I don't want you to think I don't. <laughs> Um, we have five five minutes left. So what do you what do you think would uh, would be a good? Did you want to do some real fears and loves, or did oh, you? Oh, I did bring you a list. I should have given it to you beforehand. If, no, I don't like this to hear. This is my valet. What? I don't. I don't like to. Uh, you pulled up on you, horseback, which I found very pretentious. I what? You pulled up on horseback. You valeted your horse, which I found very pretentious. I'm Texan. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't right. be racist. I didn't, I didn't think. I forgot. I, I have a horse. I know how to take care of it, and that's what I'm going to ride to a podcast. <laughs> let let me be me. Okay. What What are you, my grandmother? <laughs> Hi, you guys. What are you? Ha <laughs> ha! I'm free. <laughs> Did you asked me to bring a. You want me to read them? Yeah. Oh, I thought you would look at them if like when things got boring you would be like so you love tattoos no talk about it no we do a, th- a thing sometimes where we trade uh, we trade fears and uh, and loves where oh, we go back and forth oh you said hates you didn't say fears and loves you I said, said hates you said what kind of a fucking hate. day was I having because I wrote because I don't fear Mariah Carey's music <laughs> number one on this list. <laughs> but I don't fear. It's not a fear. Well, then I think you need to read those as I don't fear and then read us the next one. <laughs> I don't fear people stating the obvious like that pie looks good. <laughs> but I get real mad. Oh, does the pie look good? Did this place figure out how to make pie delicious? Oh, tweet that. That's a real... We found the one place. My friend really did that. We were eating, and they're like, oh, you know, the macaroni and cheese here is really good. No. 
they stopped sh- serving that shit macaroni Guess and cheese what? that they were embarrassed by? I could make macaroni and cheese in my bathtub and still be pretty good because it's macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I get... But you I'm ever not have, afraid of that. You ever had a hot batch of uh, bathtub mac? They made that in the 20s when it was yeah. illegal. <laughs> yeah, no, when it was prohibited. Yeah, yeah. they were like... Also, that Fatty Arbuckle book was really good. <laughs> Jerry Stahl's a great. It's probably the best thing he's written. It was so good. Um, but yeah, and then I said, like, I love being flown somewhere. <laughs> I think you meant this, and it fears and loves would have brought up a different list. But you yeah. said loves and hates. That's so funny. So I was like, I don't know what he <laughs> what he yeah. does. Because his podcast is all about hate. <laughs> you know what? There is actually probably a good good way to maybe like a point to land on, which is. One of my fears has always been for a long time, which is um, it is basically to talk about the stuff we just talked about for an hour or two. I don't know how long we've been up here. The thing that we've been talking about for six, seven, eight hours. <laughs> no, I could. Um, but the to talk about weight or food issue or to ad- admit to a person, like, I think, I hate myself, you know, like I, I, all these feelings of hate. And I don't act, also, I don't hate myself. I don't act, I don't actively hate myself. I think I'm pretty cute. Right, everybody? You know what, I, I really forced you into that, but I don't care. Um, what if it was like this? Oh, really? You just, and one person in the back goes, I bet you do. <laughs> I'm pretty cute and sexy, you guys. I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> but I've had a fear of things that I'm insecure about. Of like, you know, just that. Like, you're fat or you're like... I think that's been the main one of just having a real sensitivity about this. And it's a real weird thing for people with weight. The one thing you can't hide is the thing you're like, I hope nobody sees this. <laughs> and there is something funny about that. Like, I used to have a hope that I would, like, walk in Elaine Bryant and that they would go, you don't belong. Get out of here. <laughs> what are you, here to mock us? But they don't. They're like, oh, there's a sale in the back. I'm like, oh. At least ask if I'm shopping for someone else. <laughs> How dare you? Well, we're we're out of time, so we got to wrap. So this I love up, myself. But, Good night. Yeah, Laura, I I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, I you're so goddamn lovable. It uh, I'm going to punch you. Maybe no, that's there's not no the best. other way to handle it. There is not one other option. Um. Thank you guys so much for, for yeah, thank you. coming it's, out. You have and, an amazing audience. Yeah. And how about a hand for Laura House? <laughs> but it's incredible what you started. It's beautiful. Yeah. So thank thank you. you. And if people want to get a hold of you, they can... Uh, LauraHouse.com. LauraHouse.com. Go check it out. She's thinking about starting her own uh, podcast. What do you think? Maybe I should just call it How to Hate Yourself. Yeah. And, and then it'll be a look at that. And by the way, I don't encourage anybody to uh, start podcasts. Uh, well, very few people do. I, I'm I like, that's a great I'm, idea. You should, you should start a podcast, but you should absolutely start a podcast. Oh, thank you. I, maybe I'll do it with my granny. Yeah. <laughs> call She's it Porch dead. Ghost. She's dead. You can Porch Ghost. <laughs> porch <laughs> Ghost, coast to coast. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. 
Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.